The atmosphere in town grew tense. There was talk of a pogrom. The Cossacks at the town jail muttered among themselves. All the Jews were nervous. On the eve of Yom Kippur, the rabbi, Reb Itzala Tuvim, came to the house. Aunt Rina says his face radiated light. To hear her tell it, he was walking on an inch of air. He came in, washed his hands at my grandfather's porcelain basin, and ate a piece of challah. Then he went into my father's room and closed the door behind him. This was just before the large supper, the last meal before the fast, and the yard was teeming with beggars and the needy. The day before, my grandfather had sold a hundred pairs of felt boots to the hetman of the Cossacks, and in celebration my grandmother cooked cholent for all the town's poor Jews to fortify them for Kol Nidre, the Yom Kippur Eve prayer that annuls all vows. But the Kol Nidre was delayed. Rebitzela remained closeted with my father for three hours. Finally the door to my father's room opened, and Rebitzela emerged. He was pale, says Aunt Rina, and his hand trembled. In his right hand he held the knife, its blade pointing upward like a lulaf in Sukkot. Wordlessly he laid it down on the cabinet, on which it remained, untouched, all during the Day of Atonement. Then he went to the synagogue and chanted the Kol Nidre. Two and a half years later, my father left for Palestine, taking with him all his wooden lasts, his shoe templates, and a few favorite knives. His phylacteries he left behind. He landed in Yafo after an eleven-day sea voyage on the eve of Purim, 1922. He almost didn't make it. During the landing, The rowboat taking him ashore capsized near the rock of Andromeda, and he and two other passengers, another Polish boy, one Paltiel Rubinsky, and an elderly Briton, nearly drowned. The Arab boatmen jumped into the churning waves and rescued all three. I still have a torn copy of the Yafo bi-weekly Philistine, carrying a faded photograph of the event. It shows two men, the hero, chief boatman to Messrs. Thomas Cook and Son, a broad-shouldered young swain in a striped bathing suit with slightly effeminate lips, squinting shyly into the camera, and on his left a portly Briton, lank hair hiding his eyes and nose, clasping his rescuer's reluctant wrist. To the right, a boat's bow intrudes into the picture. A faint line at its edge may be an oar. Of the two young Jews, there's no sign. This was a mere ten months after the May Day riots in Yafo, at which twenty-one Jews, among whom were two full-fledged poets, were slaughtered. Showing disembarking Jews on the front page could have sparked fresh riots. The Arab hero can be seen clearly in the photograph, though his name is smudged by a yellow stain, but the Briton is clearly identified. He is Sir Geoffrey Mulness, publisher of the London Grand, on pilgrimage to the Holy Land for his health. The article notes that upon his return to London, Sir Geoffrey thanked the directors of Thomas Cook and Son in person for his rescue, and sent a hundred gold sovereigns to the Yaffa boatmen in gratitude, and a gold watch to each of his boatmates in memory of the miracle that had befallen them in the land of the Bible. Both watches were expertly inscribed with the Hebrew prayer of thanks, Hagomel, in Rashi script. Paltiel Rubinsky, who later changed his name to Reuben, right away gave his watch to a Yemenite actress. My father, after hanging on to his for three years, 
at last sold it in 1925 for fifty gold pounds to his landlord, a Mr. Ephraim Glantz, with whom he and Paltiel Rubin had taken rooms in Tel Aviv the day after their arrival. With this money my father opened his cobblery and shoe store on Herzl Street, taking in Paltiel Rubin as a salesman, and in that same store he worked on and off throughout the events of 1936 to 1939, before finally closing it in 1946, as he began rising in the ranks of the Haganah, the budding Jewish resistance, and later in the Israeli army. But a day after Ben-Gurion signed the Armistice Agreement in 1949, my father left the army and went straight back to that same store where, taking neither helpers, Pautil was dead then, nor vacations, he kept cobbling heels and selling sandals until the day of his murder. Part 1. Jahiliyat.